everybody. Welcome back to another episode of our Beyond Sunday podcast. My name is Christian Burkert. I'm one of the elders and pastors at Cornerstone. I'm here with the Grand Poobah, Todd Nicewanger, and uh, Spencer, the Grand Something. Just a guy at Cornerstone. <laughs> Just a guy, Cornerstone. guy at Cornerstone. I can tell you what his wife and children say. Dear trusted friend um, at Cornerstone, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation. Right now we've been in a, a sermon where, or sorry, a sermon series in which we're unpacking the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Um, we've taken our time through this one, unpacking these ideas of the authority that Jesus claims over all heaven and earth um, and the way in which we seek to, to follow Jesus, not only in, in exercising the authority he's given us, but learning from him how to do this in a way that reflects his character. Mm. And having kind of laid the... Th- the foundation of this first declaration that Jesus makes of his authority. Now we're ready to kind of jump into, and what Todd did uh, in, in his message was jump into the command from the declaration to the commission to make disciples of all nations. And so Todd, would you just take it from there and maybe within the context of where we're, where we've been and where we're going, why is it so important that we understand there's a lot of commands in scripture. And even Jesus says to a couple of verses later that the role of us, a role we have is to teach everyone, people to obey all the things or to keep all the things that Jesus has commanded. What's so central about this command here? Yeah, well, it's, it's right. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that are central about this, yeah. this thing, whether we're talking kind of in the microcosm of this little section, or yeah. even when we're talking at the whole book of Matthew, right? We would say, even as you stretch out and look at the gospels, or even as you stretch out and look at the entire story of God, there's yeah. this way in, of a rhythm in which we're constantly called back to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as Jesus's followers, as God's image bearers. And in this case, like Jesus gets to the end of Matthew, or the writer Matthew gets to the end of telling the story mm-hmm. of Jesus, and and he lands into this, this final parting statement from Jesus. And again, we don't even know fully when this was yeah. out. We, From what we can tell, it was probably about, you know, maybe three weeks or so after the resurrection of Jesus, but we know at 40 days, right? He leaves. Yeah. But it's somewhere around maybe three weeks, Jesus is with these people and says, I want you to show up at this mountain. I've got something really important to tell you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus says, I've got something important to say you after he's been raised from the dead, you know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> We might as well show up at the mountain then, right? So he he cranks up a worship service in some way. We don't know how it was. And, you know, the people are worshiping and some are doubting. And and then he kind of, I guess it's used it in our time, he steps up to the old speaking platform. Speaking rock. And he had the speaking rock. Yeah, I was going to say something. I'm not going to go. But but it is so fascinating. I thought you did such a good job. He lands out, here's who I am. Yeah. Before I say anything to you about what I'm asking you to do. I want you to understand who I am. Yeah. And I, I don't know, there's my imagination always goes places like, what was that like in the midst of all of that? When Jesus suddenly speaks, it's almost like what's going to come out of his mouth first. And it seems the first thing that probably to the group comes out, you know, if there's 11 or 500, how many are there? Mm-hmm. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we, we spent that week talking about it, which mm-hmm. I thought was so helpful but right after saying that, he uses that word, therefore, and as Bible students, we know, you know, whenever we see the therefore, we ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, in light of his authority, and the only command that he gives after that, there's one command, just make disciples of all nations. That's mm-hmm. what I want you to do. And it's, 
it's there's nothing complex about it. It's pretty clear. Like mm-hmm. this is what I want you to do. So I would say this. We oftentimes ask the question, why is it so important? Well, this one, there's no doubt why this one's so important, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, hey, why is this important? This one is super clear. His parting statement, which I think he reiterates in some ways that, you know, we talk about like in Matthew 24 or Luke 24, mm-hmm. reiteration in, in what you brought up within Acts 1.8. There's these reiterations that kind of brought in there. But for Matthew, in light of everything we've now heard about Jesus, he gets to the very end and he goes, okay, here's, here's now in light of who I am my charge to you, my my now delegating my authorities to go accomplish this task. I want you to now make disciples of all nations and specifically not of yourselves, of me. Yeah. Yeah. Here are your orders. Like here, here, your march, here are your marching orders. Here, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. And so any passage you're preaching, you know, it's like, oh, you know, what's the importance of this one? <laughs> yeah. We're now in like this totally sacred territory where it's like super clear, this is what I want you to be doing. But the fascinating thing for me is how often I think, like even in my own ministry or times that I've been in church, this one gets sidetracked. Mm. It, 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 we lose sight of the importance of it. And so I think this is why for us is, you know, Spencer had mentioned, I don't know if it was in between or our last podcast or something, just the church that you were visiting a little while ago, that they read it to themselves over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I do think maybe this is something we need to yeah. you know, steal from another church. Borrow. Yeah. Well, they, they borrowed kind of, too. They kind of borrowed it from <laughs> Yeah, they borrowed it from Matthew. But gosh, just that reminder, okay, what are we supposed to be doing again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Making disciples. <laughs> to your point, like for me, you just said something going, I, I've always believed since I've been a follower of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, Matthew 20, and I would affirm it. But do I affirm it? with the priority that Jesus gives it here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes making disciples becomes a secondary issue, yeah. but the event or the activity or something else I'm doing in life, you know, going to work, earning a paycheck, those things become priorities or, you know, whatever hobby I have, that becomes the priority and making disciples becomes a secondary endeavor instead of going, no, 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 no. Like I can, I can make disciples in the workplace. Yes. Like I can make disciples as I'm going fishing or playing golf or riding horses or whatnot. Um, but going, yeah, like making disciples is what we really need to orient our lives around. Yeah. And so I don't know when we talk about where is it important. This one's pretty simple. Yeah. It's like right in our faces. But I, and so on one end, though, let me say this. While I think it's it's simple to identify, I think all of us would agree. There is there is a difficult nature of then playing this out mm-hmm. that we have to be honest about yeah. is that it's clear, but it's not simple. Well, I'll go the other way. Say it's simple, but it's not easy. That's what there I meant. Go. Yeah. It is simple. Like yeah. Jesus very but clear. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy though. Yeah. Yeah. This is very difficult to do, but it pretty straightforward. Yeah. Word. All right. Well then we'll take a break here for a second and come back and you can complicate it for us. Not okay. <laughs> <Hopefully I'm complicated. laughs> All right, we'll be back in a second. Okay, so we laid out this idea that this command to make disciples of all nations is something that is simple to understand, but not easy, right? I mean, even think about this, it, whether it's 11 or 500, Jesus is looking at this group of people in Matthew 28 saying, hey, what I just did with you, I want you now to do with 
every nation, every ethnicity on earth. So it's not easy either in the carrying out of this mission or in the scope of the, like the, if, if of the mission field that we have to reach. So I don't know, maybe how do we grapple with that? That how do we try to start closing the gap between the simplicity of Jesus's mission, but yet the complexity, the breadth, the, the energy needed to carry this out. Yeah, well, I think what's so beautiful about the book of Matthew, hmm. and I thought the way you laid it out at the very beginning, is that this is the final statement of a long discipleship manual from the start. Hmm. Yeah. Right? And so I think, like, to get the, the at one end, the difficulty of it, but the simplicity of it, is that the whole book of Matthew is constantly showing that, but through the life of the God-man, through yeah. the life of Jesus, right? So... Right off the beginning, we you see this like in, in, in chapter 3 and chapter 4, here comes John the Baptist, and, and along comes Jesus, and he receives baptism, but we also kind of see right off the front end, he receives the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what happens in, in Acts? Mm-hmm. We, we can't do this mission apart from the Spirit of God with, within our lives. Again, now, we, don't, we can't force the Spirit to blow where he's going to blow, but yeah. at, in this side of it where it's like really seeing that the complexity and difficulty of this mission demands the Spirit of God in our lives. And did for the God-man. And did also, yeah, which is the constant reminder, right? So then you see off the very beginning, obviously, there's the temptation that takes place with the evil one, but then, bang, right off in chapter 5, Jesus starts laying out the realities of of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Here's my kingdom, you know, the Beatitudes, he teaches the whole Sermon on the Mount and lays out what his kingdom looks like. And, And I think you can't help but read... The, the, the Sermon on the Mount go, oh my gosh, like this kingdom thing is brutal. And there's a breadth to it. There's a, this, it, living under the good lordship of Jesus is going to encompass all of life. All of life. And I think that's what's so powerful, though, in Matthew 4.19, where he says, he says to these guys, okay, uh, right before he kind of kind of takes off on his mission, follow me. So I want you to stay and learn from me and I will make you. Mm-hmm. Fishers of men. Yeah, and so it's you can see in this off the very beginning. He doesn't wait till the very end to give them the great commission. He's already telling them the commission that they're going to be a part of off the very front end of this. He's just going to give clarity and then bring the whole thing to a close at the end and make sure that we get it. That's cool. It reminds me of like you know both you guys being in education, like when you set out outcomes for a course off the beginning and oftentimes in that syllabus you get the first day of class where it says by the end of this class you should be able to pop up 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 like lets you know okay here's the landing point here's here's what you should be able to do at the end of this process and you see that just in that statement of jesus come start following me and and from this day a process is going to begin that will culminate in you now being someone who can catch men, who can yeah. draw others into this. And the outcomes, by the way, are given in the Sermon on the Mount. No big deal, right? <laughs> hey, no big deal. Here's your outcomes that we're going to shoot for. Here's for sure. what you should be able to do at the end of it. Yeah. And it's like, wow. But but I think like, again, to relate these two, if you could put them as two lines between them, you follow me, it really has to do, if, he's, if all authority, right, has truly been given to him, then I want you to understand this, is that you're changing allegiances to the rightful king. Mm. you're not going to have to, no, don't follow anyone else. And this whole like learning environment, that's what a disciple is. You need to come learn from me. Yeah. And not only that, then I will make you, I I want you now to reshape your life to this kingdom that I'm going to talk about, right? And how often does he use in Matthew the concept of kingdom, Hmm. right? It's a constant explanation of what the kingdom looks like that we're supposed to be involved in. And in that, he's calling them to shape their lives to, to that kingdom, 
and then I'll make you fishers of men is just this beautiful reality where now I, I want you to take those kingdom values now and I want you to transfer them into every area of life. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is, sorry, the the like language, like grammar side of me is kicking in and going, okay, so if the command here is kind of what you said is like the the bookend of going, okay, make disciples. Okay, that there's a parallel way back in Matthew 4 about, mm-hmm. you know, hey, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But then the other stuff that's there in Matthew 28, and I think you're going to get there about going, these participles, they, they, they're they modifying, they're describing how to make disciples, right? Yeah. And it's baptizing, which you see modeled through the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're shifting allegiances. We're shifting our identity. Which group are we identified with? Well, that you see Jesus and the disciples baptizing throughout the gospel and John accounts. the Baptist. Yeah, John the yeah. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But then also yeah. the baptizing and teaching to observe all I've commanded. Well, well, again, you see Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. and you see him calling back to, and you go, Well, well, he is just embodying the very thing that he's calling him to. It's the command, and here's how you do it. Yeah, and it's wherever you go. Like, think about the well, life. That's the of other Jesus. participle that's in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, here he is. He's he's on he's on the mission of the Father, right? He is as you are going. Well, he's on the mission of the Father, and he's in Galilee, you know, and yep. then he's in Jerusalem and Galilee. I mean, he's he's doing what he's doing, but the whole way along, he's showing these guys like they they already knew, and they saw in action what it was supposed to look like, mm-hmm. and how they were supposed to not only to to live that life. But how they're now to help others to live the life as well. Jesus modeled both. He didn't yeah. just show them, you know, how to be one. He showed them how to now make a disciple. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where, when we, especially Christian, where you begin to craft that idea of what's a disciple. Well, he's learning from Jesus. He's believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. He's he's helping others to do the same, or he's he's becoming like Jesus, and he's helping others to do the same. Mm-hmm. This is all he was doing. And then he, as he's leaving, I think this is the big thing, is he says, make disciples. In essence, he's saying, what I've done with you, and as I've showed you the kingdom, Mm -hmm. now, as the Spirit of God comes upon you, Luke 24, right, that promise that he's going to come, Acts 1-8, the promise he's going to come, Acts 2, he comes, Mm -hmm. now go do what I did with you. Yeah. Go, Mm -hmm. Go do that. Yeah. And, and for us, we would say, well, I didn't get to walk with Jesus, but yeah, we have four gospel accounts to now learn what is that supposed to look like yeah. as we walk alongside Jesus? So again, it's it's so beautiful that we didn't just get told to do it, but the whole gospel of Matthew is the account of how to do it. Yeah. Here's how you do it. This is what it looks like to do it under the kingship and lordship of Jesus in that way. And so I, again, I just think it's so it's so beautiful the way all of Matthew coalesces into this like one statement of make disciples that has to do with the, the good authority of King Jesus. So maybe maybe come back to just the, like, I love that, setting it in the context of the whole book. That actually, I've, I've not done, I've never seen that until the last, you know, in this, this little section here, the last couple of weeks. But in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 here, like, if, if this is the section where we're supposed to be talking through the biblical ideal, you just said it in the context of the greater book, but what about in this little section here? Like the command is to make disciples. What are these other things? Yeah, and so I'm excited to go into, like we decided to do three extra weeks on this because I think we don't understand the concept of going mm-hmm. that like we need to. And so we need to understand that. And so 
what those three of the things that that Spencer's talking about are participles. Oftentimes we use them as the ing statements, right? So yeah. running, throwing, they're they're noun verbal nouns that are describing in some way what is the main noun and or main verb. And this main verb has to do with this idea of make disciples. So the the going part of it that we're going to be looking at, mm-hmm. and Christian's going to be preaching on that one, yeah. is this idea. Definitely, there's a there's a forceful command to to get going. But it's almost because we believe discipleship happens in every form of life, it's as you're going. Like, no matter where you go, the, the goodness of, of the kingdom of Jesus needs to be brought to bear, which, you know, you did a great job of talking about power, mm. so that we might bring rest and, and transformation and, 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 and flourishing into the places that we go. Go do that yeah. so that people might see the kingdom. Do it differently, not like the world does it. Do it like King Jesus did it. Yeah. And so on one end, that going becomes important, explaining what this making disciples looks like. But then kind of explaining how we then make disciples is baptizing, which again comes back to this idea of of what we'd already talked about from Matthew 4. This is the way that we swear allegiance. Yeah. Right? We we place ourselves under that good king. Identity type stuff. Yeah. And not just the good king. Like, think about it. Under the Godhead fully. Yeah. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we're placing ourselves mm-hmm. under the, the the triune God. And then now the next part of it is this this teaching idea, which isn't like I think what we think about teaching sometimes in maybe classroom, but the way Jesus did it. Mm-hmm. It's how I showed you what the kingdom looks like and, and called you now to come and, and and follow me. Go go do that with others. And that's how we make disciples. Yeah. And so that's that big context. And it, and then there's that final statement, right? I, even I, am with you, which I think rings back to to Moses in the burning mm-hmm. bush. I think in a very cool way, I'm with you. Yeah, I am. I'm present with you in this endeavor. I am. I am joining you in this. And so it's. I think it's just this beautiful statement of how I did it. You go do it. Yeah. And as you do it, how I did it, I'm with you in that. Yeah. I'm joining you in that. You, people will see and experience the presence of Jesus. And how you engage it. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's the question you're asking, but yeah, no, I think it's that's for me. That's the part that's helpful is going okay. What are, if the command is to make disciples? What are these other things doing? It seems like what you're saying is they're just describing some aspect of discipleship. Yeah, and I think like just being challenged on this again when you look at what he's saying, there was so much historical content into that word disciple too, mm-hmm. right? It's we sometimes say oh, it's just a learner. And, and yes, that's true, but there was Hebrew idea of how we were to live together and share life together. And that's why I think we as Cornerstone, we believe that, that the only way we can make disciples effectively is sharing life together. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do it any other way. It's it's meant to be done out of shared life. It's very kind of the rabbi concept of how we we work it through in the everyday facet of life. But then there's this Greek understanding that I, I kind of touched on a little bit, and I don't want to spend a lot of time, but as the means of influencing culture. Yeah. Like like Hellenism got spread from Plato to Aristotle and all of his schools that finally now, I mean, it's funny, right? The Romans think they destroyed the Greeks and the Greeks were laughing the whole way going, are you kidding me? You embraced Hellenism. You embraced Platonic thought in mm. these schools of Aristotle. Again, that's why I don't want to spend a ton of time in it. But man, we can change culture, not through the forms of power with military might and going to thought, but actually one person at a time. Yeah. And, and Jesus is saying, no, win hearts and minds in this kind of a way by showing them the manifestation of the kingdom and helping them to live that way. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's just this this whole last statement is just loaded with content and information that's pretty powerful and what that looks like to 
to make disciples. Mm. Gosh, it's fascinating. I think it's it's fascinating the the scope of it. The make disciples of all ethnies or all ethnicities, nations. Obviously, there weren't like like nation states like we have nowadays, but these people groups, right? And he says to do that with all people groups. That's that's huge, right? So I mean, we'll get into this more the next week, but the the going part of this isn't just as I go about my normal life, staying within the the surrounded by the hills of Simi Valley, right? You know the. It's not just stay in one location because this this collective body of disciples has a mission to go to all ethnicities. Yeah, and, and I didn't get to go into it. I don't know if you will yeah. choose if you want to when you, you yeah. go on this path and you'll be fired if you don't. <laughs> no. Um, that's that refreshing authority. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's <laughs> refreshing last authority. Week. Go back and listen to last week's podcast. Huh? No, but like I, the thing I love about that statement is I want you to go into those ethnies. Yeah. And it doesn't say make them American or it doesn't say make them Jewish, what, even. Jewish. Yeah. Um, you know, for Paul, the way he manifested that in, in 1 Corinthians 9 is he said, I actually became them. Mm. And I dove into their world in a very powerful, beautiful way. The way that, that discipleship comes to bear is not changing them into me, but actually bringing the good lordship of Jesus that out of their cultural context, the goodness of Jesus comes to life. And that culture learns how the lordship of Jesus manifests itself, which again, I think that connects its way all the way into new creation where all these kings and kingdoms bring these wonderful realities to Mm -hmm. worship God in Jerusalem. And so it's like, I, I, I think it's like help them to know in their context, in their culture, how the good lordship of Jesus comes to life there. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm talking about an older generation or a younger generation, we don't have to fight these generational realities. Yeah, there's there's ways in which they're contrary to, to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, man, it's bringing those things to life so that people can see that the gospel really can transform every area of life yeah. into, the, into the way that God intended it to be in all of its flavors and fullness, which, again, you can do whatever you want, but yeah, I think man. that's cool. That's Definitely. A- that's a, that's hard though. <laughs> that's hard because our identities have to be properly aligned. We have to understand with clarity what Jesus called us to. But I think that it's a good place to hit the pause button and go, hey, we need to talk through how this becomes difficult and where we go off the rails with this one. Yeah, so. I would agree. I think it was so difficult that Paul at the end of Romans 9 says, you got to beat your body. You got to be this runner. Yeah, It is a really difficult thing to do that. So I would agree with you. That's a great thing to talk about. All right, we'll come back and talk about that in a moment. Okay, within this simple but pretty broad, complex calling that Jesus given us to make disciples, um, there, obviously there there are, there are ways in which this is effortful because the task itself is just hard and laborious, and sometimes it's also that sense. I was talking to uh, someone the other day where they were they were going on a bike ride, and uh, I go, man. I thought I was in better shape than this. Like, why is it? <laughs> this is so hard. And got all the way back home and found that one of the brake pads was rubbing against the wheel the entire time. It was like they were trying to ride their bike for like, on like 20 miles with, with the, the brake brake on. Right? And it's like, no wonder why this is so hard. Sometimes we complicate this ourselves, right? Like sometimes we we create resistance ourselves through, <laughs> through neglect or just not paying attention or sometimes actively getting it wrong. Like... I don't know. So wherever we want to start, whether we want to talk about just the complexity of the task itself and then sometimes the way we complicate it, like what are some of the, the practical yeah. 
obstacles we face in well, this. Can I just, man, I'll, I'll just kick it off. I think one of the biggest things I've had to unlearn about discipleship, like for me personally, was the way that I was taught that seemed to be to make conversion the primary mm. like task of the Great Commission, right? So somebody saying a prayer or whatever, but the, the reality of, of now that initial repentance where I become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit invades my life. And in some ways, that's the way it kind of always ended. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, you should probably baptize them and you should probably also, you know, teach them a few things so that they know what they're doing. And, and as opposed to like what I see happening here, which is very much this, this progressive learning how to live a life under the lordship of Jesus. It's more the trajectory of their life Very is shifting. So therefore mm. it's not an end to conversion, right? Coming to Jesus isn't the end. It's really the beginning. Yeah. Like that's the that's the initial kickoff point in which now let me show you how good my yoke is. Like mm. what you talked about out of Matthew 11, like let me show you how good it is to bring all these facets of life under my good lordship and how yeah. that brings rest and flourishing. And so I think like for me, that was probably one of the biggest things I had to undo in my head was to realize that conversion is important, right? Yes. We do need to have the initial work of Jesus or if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't pull this off. So let me, let me, let me make sure I frame that. If you never start following Jesus, it's really hard to continue following Jesus. That's a good word. But then I think off of it, wow, like that means our task is a lifelong endeavor, not only personally. Yeah. But as those we walk with, we're always in the state of needing to learn how the good lordship comes to bear with within our lives in that way. And so yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but that was one of the big things I've had to unlearn. Yeah, yeah. That, that shifting to trajectory kind of thinking was super helpful for, for both for me, like as I'm growing, going, oh, I'm not supposed to just arrive. Like it's literally a lifelong pursuit of, oh, the trajectory of my heart is now towards Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And the trajectory of the people that I'm discipling <laughs> has shifted towards Jesus. Okay. But the other side from, so for me, where I would say I, I've kind of, I, I go off the rails on this one and struggle is, I was sharing with you guys during the, the little break there, is limiting the scope of discipleship to the things that like the modifiers that Jesus uses is... Okay, baptism. Okay, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that's important as I'm discipling people and teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. Yeah. Full stop. Hmm. I don't, I, I go beyond that. Yeah. I, I make disciples of Spencer, not of Jesus, you know, and, and, and all my little idiosyncrasies, the things that I desire, the, and, and, and going, man, how much, how much am I, reproducing me and how much am I helping other people be fully like capable of reflecting Jesus as Jesus has created them to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And going, and I, and I find myself going, Oh wow. I, I've really taught people my preferences. I've taught people, you know, whatever particular way I make sense of the world and going, man, I, I don't know. It's never not, not nefarious, not anything bad necessarily, but it's. I think I've done a whole lot of stuff that's neutral. Do you think like some of that? And I'll just throw this out if you guys are okay. Like I, that, you just you've kicked a question in my head, and so let's. If you don't mind, I guess I'm already doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mind. Um, but um, 
I wonder sometimes if our wrong thinking of discipleship, where there's just one, only one person yeah. that should Ooh. disciple me, versus like the body of Christ discipling yes. me. Yes. Like when it's the body of Christ discipling me, I should look more and more like Jesus because there's not one, you know, one person rubbing off on me. I don't know. I'd love you guys' thoughts. That was just a quick, you were saying that. And I'm like, gosh, is that part of our problem? We keep having this weird yeah. mentality of only one right person can disciple me versus like being discipled by it. The body of Christ. I, I don't know. Thoughts. Yeah, I think that's true because I think. I don't know. We were talking about this in our sermon prep meeting a couple of days ago, where I feel like that's that's something that took me a lot of years to work out of my system. That that concept I'd pick up, I picked up as a kid growing up in the church in the '90s, that I was supposed to have this like Paul figure, that just this this constant discipling influence in my life, and felt like you know I'd had people for a phase of life, but then when they'd move or I'd move, something the the season of life would change. It'd be like, oh, it failed. It didn't work. And it wasn't until like several years later, I remember talking about that with my wife when we were newlyweds and I was going, I just, I just haven't had that person. And then she, I remember she just began to ask me, well, if you had a question about this, who do you think you'd go to? I was like, well, Matt, or how about this? Scott, how about Todd? Yeah. You've been a source of wisdom and discipleship in my life a lot too. And, and it was this like s slow, gradual realization of, well, I wasn't lacking anything. I, I was lacking the thing that I'd set up in my mind or observed from others that there needed to be this singular figure versus, no, I've, I've had a, a, a community of disciplers in my life. And that's actually, that's the idea. That's not just the idea. That's the reality that I think that, that Jesus has designed this for, be, for, for this to function is, is we are discipled together by other disciples. That's that's why, you know, when we were working through membership last year at Cornerstone, kind of bringing that back to the fruition, we said the, the drum we want to keep hitting is that membership is the commitment to be disciples who make disciples in partnership with one another. And almost like making that formal in that way of, of, of granting each other that access, say, yes, I, I want you to be a discipling influence in my life. I want to be that in your life because we believe that we are discipled in Jesus better together than just on our own. Yeah. Yeah. I just, when you were talking, Spencer, about that, it was just, gosh, like, I think we all struggle with that, like replicating ourselves into mm. people versus, you know, a Paul follow me as I follow Christ, mm. where Christ truly is being replicated into a person's life where they're going to look differently than me, think differently than me, mm -hmm. operate in circles that may be different than me, but are they, are they going to, in, in that context, model Jesus? Mm -hmm. And if that's, if they're modeling Jesus, well, man, right on. Like, yeah. that's what we want out of them, not just to, you know, be, gosh, can't imagine duplicating me, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> no, Lord, like, don't yeah. let that happen, which I think becomes really important. But that is, a, that is a shift even in the way we walk with people, right? The difference between sometimes even, like, you have that hero, that person you're seeking to emulate versus, you know, who has God made me to be? How has, he, how has God made, made, made me to function? Oh, and it's hard to break. I think all of us at this, in the, you know, there's in this table, we, we all went to masters maybe in some way because of John MacArthur, right? Like we heard him preach. I mean, I heard him preach at 7 a.m., mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the radio and then Chuck yeah. Swindoll was after him and Chuck Swindoll wasn't president of a seminary, so I needed to go somewhere. <laughs> and, um, but all of us, I think, came to a realization while we're so thankful John MacArthur's on our team is that we're not John MacArthur. Yeah. And I think like there's so many people that I feel like at seminary, we're leaving there thinking, well, I'm going to be the next John MacArthur instead of, oh, I'm going to be the next 
person that God intends me to be as I, as yeah. I, or at cornerstone, I'm not Francis. I'm not or, Francis. Yeah. Go back, you know, any, any church can play this game, right. Of going, you know, sure. yeah, who I'm not that person, but who has God created me to be? And I would say that was one thing. I remember having a conversation. I have I didn't work closely with Francis when he was here. I was off in children's ministry <laughs> across the campus for him. But I do remember at one time, like him just talking about that, like feeling like even for his process in seminary, so many people were trying to emulate their favorite preacher. And he's like, I want to figure out how God's created me to, to, to communicate. What's, what's my voice? And like, well, what, what do I do? And that was even instructive in that way, even in, in that time to go, Hey, in the same way, like I appreciate Francis. I'm, a, I'm glad to be a part of the church that he's leading, but yeah, that reshaped my imagination to Lord, how have you created me to communicate? How, yeah. how, how do I be who you've made me to be? Not in this overly individualistic, I need to be the unique snowflake in the blizzard, but also, I want to I want to be committed to Jesus first and foremost and then to to grow in him together with others but without that way where we hand each other script just read what I wrote and yeah. and that'll be it but no let, let that that creativity to come out Okay so know? another question that you guys are sparking my thinking So how much is the problem with our discipleship if the models are always the preacher Okay, so let's say mm. that within a local church, the model's always the preacher. I thought this would be his question. <laughs> yeah, just preempted me. I, I win. Um, but like, then all of a sudden, if it's supposed to be in every facet of life, yes. right? Like, so we're all sitting here in, uh, you know, we have Robin, who's who's married to the the chief of the American police, and, um, and obviously Spencer's. You're kind of looking at the new endeavor of what God has for you, and you and I, like, I don't know. It just hit me, and even in that, like, is some of our problem even of discipleship people trying to be the one lone figure that stands in front of them every Sunday versus like the body. Does that make sense so what I'm true. saying? Yes. Well, it's also what the church celebrates, right? And what, yeah. what our pictures of maturity are. Yes. Like I remember my father-in-law once asked me, he goes, he goes, okay, he goes, what does maturity look like in the church if you're not a gifted teacher? Yeah. Because we've equated, and this is, I mean, you talk about a good kick in the, well, pick your body part. Um, the pants. But assuming, never mind. Um, but that, yeah, going. They're part of your body? Yeah. That's more like Billy. His, his, yeah, his Billy. is so tight. They're practically <laughs> oh, part of his body. Wow. Are you completely tired? I can't right now, but that's okay. Um, no, but my father-in-law asked me one time, he said, what, is, what does maturity look like if you're not a gifted teacher? Mm-hmm. And that reality of going, mm. wow, we as a church, Cornerstone's certainly complicit in this. We have equated maturity with the ability to teach. With a specific gift or ability. Yeah, and going, no, 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 no. Yeah, if you have, if you might not have the gift of teaching, but you can still make disciples, but the church doesn't have clear pathways that aren't teaching-centered of really holding up what maturity looks like. Mm. And so all of a sudden, when you think about discipleship, is discipleship, does that culminate in a teaching role? Yeah, and, and well, it we shouldn't. Have, because generally, right, you know, in, in a more of a complementarian church like us, that means then it's men, mm-hmm. right? Well, where where do women find a place to be so able true, to, to look to other women, right? And to rightly see what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus as a woman, or I don't know, there's just so many facets of that, that our current structure, not not just cornerstone, maybe, maybe more of like church in the United States mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. or maybe in the world, I don't know. It's it could potentially be set up not to yeah. make disciples effectively of Jesus because you have such a limited pool yeah. 
to draw, unless the church is highly intentional on right. working against that. Right. We're not modeling for people. What does it look like for the good rule of King Jesus to teach that all that I've commanded you mm-hmm. when it comes to being a good employer or a good mm-hmm. boss or a good nurse or a good Every facet teacher, of life, right? All of a sudden, yeah, you go, oh, the only thing we know what discipleship looks like is how to preach a sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how that guy up there... Or lead a Bible study then or something. Gives, and you're like... Like illustration on how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder why the church is anemic in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't know. That's just where for me, it's been, I think, like a challenge for us as we move along as a church and why we want to do the discipleship pathway is we have to shift that. Like yeah. if we're going to really like stand before Jesus one day, especially right as leaders within a local church and he says, hey, you know, like... This is what I asked you to do. Did you do it? Well, we kind of, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of did it. Mm-hmm. But to really be intentional yeah. in all fa- like how do we help people in all facets of life to learn how to bring the good lordship to Jesus to bear in their yeah, life? The, the, thinking about the the image of the body of Christ and our discipleship has been relegated to like just doing bicep curls. Yeah. Yeah. So we got this like this guy that's like, you know, got these ginormous biceps, but their legs are like sticks uh, and their forearms are tiny and they can't run at all because they have no cardio. But man, their right bicep is ginormous, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I've used that illustration a lot because of I mean, I was at the gym one time and this guy, I'm just like, dang, he's yoked, and he took off his sweats, and I'm like, ooh. You know, it just looked it seriously looked kind of like awkward and sick and you're like Sheesh, put your sweats back on dude that's, that's, that's not helping this whole thing but yeah the, i think like that just that side of it has really challenged me in the coming yeah. years like how do we how do we truly get women into positions where where they're, that they're able to be seen and modeled after how do we not only like when you think about maybe even gender but even when we look along the areas of ethnicity yes like what does that look like because again i'm a i'm a pasty white man that grew up in the middle of Wyoming, right? I mean, it's like, it's there's more than that out there, in, yeah. especially in the context of California. Again, it's not we're trying to do affirmative action. It's that we're trying to give modelable examples so that we know how to live rightly in the in the world in which we yeah, live. Yeah, because what gets modeled gets celebrated. And, and totally. what's celebrated, therefore, we aspire to. And we want to make sure that, therefore, that which we're celebrating is as broad as the task of being a disciple of Jesus. So whether that's in the in type of person you are, ethnicity, gender, and so forth, or even just the, the giftedness, the role that you play. We've had a lot of conversations recently as elders in regard to Ephesians 4.11, this yeah. idea that seems to be there's these these five modelable, celebratable giftedness yeah, not just of one. apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And and without those models to follow, I would say maybe even deacons is an addition there. You see in, in the book of First Timothy, those who just mature in discipleship through service, who who strengthen the body in those those regards. The biblical vision, I think maybe to the point that you both were driving at, the the biblical vision is broader than our vision often. Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure that our vision is as broad as scripture? Yeah. Which again, it's it comes back to I'm so thankful we have the Holy Spirit. Because even as me sitting here yeah. thinking over the next, you know, five years or so as we really try to become a, a church that's making disciples, this seems daunting. Mm-hmm. And it's overwhelming at times to go, how do you get there? But I think maybe the last thing that always has hit me is like the parable when Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, right? And he brings out the mustard seed. 
And he says, oh, you know, look at this mustard seed, how small it is. Mm-hmm. But you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And from that, though, he says, man, this huge tree grows up, right, that the birds of the air come and they, they rest in, they, they nest in. And so I think there's this side of it where we do have to find a starting point. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is. It's, 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 it's hard and mm-hmm. you're deceived. And, but I think we have to do it. To come back to the very beginning, if Jesus said as the Lord of all to go make disciples, well, we should probably figure out in our context. Yeah. And how do we make disciples in this and not not dilly-dally around kind of looking down other things to do? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word right there because that – it's easy. I'll go the other way. It is hard to affirm what you're saying. It is hard to walk with somebody and and help them be on a trajectory towards shifting their allegiances to the kingship of God. That takes time. It's hard. Yeah. Because you just you have to be in the slog, right? It it's just a grind, and it doesn't, and it's just the long term faithfulness. And ultimately, you can't make it, and you happen. can't make it happen, yeah. right? And so yeah. you just got to be in it, and you got to be willing to have the hard conversations, and and you yourself have to be alert to your own life because yeah. then your failings come into bear <laughs> and all that stuff, and it's just hard and messy. And when I contrast that with doing like a big event. Well, the big event is easy, yeah, right? And so I think sometimes the church has kind of been satisfied with doing the big thing because it's easier. And that comes back to conversion. Yep. Again, we want conversion. We want people to come to know Jesus, but we've made conversion the, the big thing. And I think it's like that that reality. I've always, you know, I talk about this a lot with baseball. We were trying to hit the home run. Let's go hit the home run. And we just kept trying to hit the home run. Anymore, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's get people on base. Let's advance the runner. You know, mm. Christian, you're going to have to lean into a pitch to be able <laughs> okay. to, you know, Spencer, we just, we just need you to lay down a bunt. I just, I think there's this side of it where it's just the simple day in and day out aspects of life. Just keep moving the runner. And the more I've thought about that, like discipleship in that way versus the home run mentality mm. where we have the big event, it, it seems to resonate with what Jesus was doing from the book of Matthew. Mm-hmm. It's just the simple day in and day out stuff where we keep moving the runner along. And after a while, all of a sudden, there we have the big mustard tree. So, yeah. So that's awesome, man. Well, like always, we do this because not that we've got it all figured out or that the three of our voices are sufficient, but just as that. Hopefully something that's modelable. What does it look like for people who are, who have acknowledged Jesus's lordship in their lives and are seeking to live out the understanding in Rhea in day-to-day life in relationship with one another within a local church? And I think this is the context in which discipleship plays out, which in the long run, we grow toward maturity in Christ. We grow toward maturity in Christ together. And therefore the display of Christ to the world becomes clearer and clearer as the reality of daily living. What did, you, what did Eugene, how did Eugene Peterson put it? That discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. That's what we signed up for. Let's, let's be faithful with that. Amen? Amen. All right, guys. Well, God bless you, and we'll talk to you later. Amen.